A very good morning and welcome along to our weekly podcast for the parishes of Driglinton and Gildersum, St Peter's Gildersum and St Paul's Driglinton. Today is Sunday the 11th of October, it's the 18th Sunday after Trinity. Very good to be able to welcome you here this morning to our online worship. O Lord, open our lips and our mouths shall proclaim your praise. The night has passed. And the day lies open before us. Let us take a moment of quiet to pray with one heart and mind. As we rejoice in the gift of this new day, so may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love for you, now and forever. Amen. Well, this week we're going to continue on from last week's sermon on uh, Philippians. We were looking at the back end of Philippians chapter 3 last week, and we're going to move to chapter 4, which is a marvellous passage, particularly uh, chapter 4, verses 4 onwards. I'm going to read from the first verse, Philippians 4 and verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. This is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with one another in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal York fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Did you know that in the letter to the Philippians, Paul refers to rejoice, rejoiced or rejoicing 16 times. It's an epistle full of joy. Now the church at Philippi had much that would ordinarily seem to discourage a sense of joyfulness. For one thing, it was set in the midst of pagan worship and emperor worship. The church was small and new and made up largely of people who were not influential or wealthy. It was in a situation that was difficult. It was also encountering great persecution. We read about that in Philippians uh, chapter 1 verses 28 and 29 without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. talks about people who are opposing the church and how they need to contend for the gospel in the face of persecution. 
It was also, as we saw from the beginning of this passage, encountering some kind of division. Now, we don't know anything about Euodia or Syntyche. We just know that they were prominent Christians in the church who had obviously had some sort of fallout. And Paul pleads with the Philippians to help those two to reconcile and bring together, come together. Yet in spite of all this, Paul keeps the focus on rejoicing both in his own life and in the church at Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And although we are not faced with the exact same situation as the Philippians, there is in our current age, isn't there, a lot to discourage Christians. For some, it may be individual things like problems in our family, uh, or our job, or perhaps even lack of job. Some will be, perhaps quite rightly, concerned about the future of our planet or the way that our society is going. And then, of course, there's the thing that we have to mention, of course, this little thing called coronavirus and the impending tightening of restrictions and lockdown that apparently is coming in over the next few days. Nonetheless, if Paul were to speak to us today, he would instruct us, as he did the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Because actually, the cause for our rejoicing has nothing to do with our earthly circumstances. If we read on a bit uh, after our passage to verse 12 of chapter 4, it says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives strength. As was the case with Paul, our rejoicing is rooted in Jesus. And it's all the greater when we think about how Jesus enables us to rejoice in the past and the present and the future. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So first of all, a word about rejoicing in what has gone before. Now, last week we looked at Philippians 3 and we heard Paul say, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. That's Philippians 3 verse 8. And from his prison cell, Paul was able to look back on all that had happened in his life. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. And he'd been able to see the hand of God and what God had done for him. And rejoicing in the Lord for Paul meant that there was a new song in his heart, the song of redemption, the song of salvation, a song that the din and distresses and noise of this life cannot drown out, for he is the chief object of our joy. As Jesus sat down for the Last Supper and prepared to wash the feet of his disciples, John writes this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Then it goes on to describe the washing of the disciples' feet. But that verse is often kind of glossed over. But it's very important because it reminds us that Jesus knew who he was and perhaps most importantly, whose he was. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things the Father had put all things under his power. He had come from God the Father and he was returning to God the Father. That gave Jesus a confidence and an unshakable joy, despite everything that was going on around him. 
If only we carried that same confidence into our lives day by day, how amazing our lives and our testimony would be. And then we rejoice in the present time. Paul rejoices in the Lord and he rejoices in the church. In Philippians 4 verse 1, Paul calls the Philippians, my joy and my crown, whom I long for and love. Paul is, as we said, sitting there in his prison cell and he's thinking, I'm sure, of the times that he'd shared with the church at Philippi, the blessings they'd received, the worship they'd have together, the times of prayer, the Bible studies, the fellowship, the projects they'd engaged in, the mission they'd been involved in. And he thought back with great sense of joy, my joy and my crown, whom I love and long for. Now, in one sense, rejoicing in people may seem like a bit of a shift from what I was just saying about how Jesus was entirely focused on his father. Is it somehow idolatrous to have human-centered joy? No, it's not. We rejoice in God's people. We rejoice in the church, not for our own sake, but for God's sake, for Jesus' sake. We celebrate the work that he has done, is doing, and will bring to completion in and through them at the day of Christ. That is Philippians 1 verse 6. I wonder, do we rejoice in God's church? Are we on the lookout for evidence of God's grace working in the lives of our Christian brothers and sisters? Do we long for our fellow Christians to experience joy and blessing in their faith? I hope we are. Because it's all too easy to be tempted into comparing and competing or being proud of our accomplishments and relative success. We need humility to look to the interests and the joy of others and seek their spiritual maturity and the fullness of joy in Christ, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So we rejoice in the past, we rejoice in the present, and of course we rejoice, thirdly, in what our future holds. It's good to rejoice because Jesus has decisively delivered us from sin's penalty. And yes, we rejoice for what Jesus is doing in our lives right now. But more than anything, we rejoice in what our future holds. Philippians stresses the future, the not yet reality of salvation that will come on the day of Christ. We eagerly await a saviour who will transform us. Let me read from Philippians 3 verse 20 to 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious bodies. Paul rejoices amid uncertain, difficult circumstances because his Redeemer lives and he knows he belongs to the risen Christ. In fact, he finds himself torn between his present life on earth and the fantastic things that wait for him in heaven. He says this uh, at the end of chapter 1 of Philippians, For me to live is Christ, 
to die is gain. Which shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But for now it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And it's Paul's unshakable confidence in the future that completely reframes his perspective on the present. Even though he's got struggles, he's in prison after all, and things, you know, he had his ups and downs, did Paul, didn't he, on his missionary journeys. But nonetheless, because of his confidence in the future, he has deep abiding joy in the present. May we too experience that joy right now. Well, we're going to have a pretty traditional hymn today and um, I thought it would be good to have this to fit in with today's theme, Rejoice, the Lord is King.
And so we come to our time of intercession. Lord, your mercy reaches to the heavens and your goodness knows no end. Let your love and peace be known among us that we may draw others to worship you. We give thanks for our faith and for that joy which passes all understanding that we experience when we know you as our Saviour and Redeemer. Be with us, Lord, in the difficult times. Help us not to dwell on our present circumstances, but on the future glory that awaits us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our church and we pray for those who contend for the gospel, for those who preach the word and administer the sacraments. We pray for our new curate, June, who was ordained last weekend. And we pray for all those who minister, lead and have responsibility within our church families at St Peter's and St Paul's. We pray for a graciousness and gentleness in our mission and outreach and pray for all who strive to bring in your peace through their daily lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all troubled areas of your world, that wars may cease and that we may find lasting peace. We pray for the peacemakers of our world and remember all who have suffered through war, all who have been injured and all who have lost loved ones. We pray for those whose memories are scarred by violence. Lord, by your power and your presence, provide us with peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray that our homes may be places of peace and healing. We pray for reconciling, reconciliation and healing where peoples are divided, that we may live at peace with all people. We pray for all whose peace is disturbed by the violence and carelessness of others, that we all may know your presence and the peace that you offer. We give thanks for those who have passed through death and are now at peace in your nearer presence. And for our friends and loved ones departed from us, may we share with them in the peace and joy of your everlasting kingdom. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Church's special prayer, the collect for today, which is the um, 18th Sunday after Trinity. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us your gift of faith, that forsaking what lies behind and reaching out to that which is before, we may run the way of your commandments and win the crown of everlasting joy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. And let's join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with me once again for our online worship for the week beginning the 11th of October. We'll be back. Uh, I'll be sharing our worship um, each Sunday now uh, while the various restrictions of lockdown are on. A reminder that our churches are open on uh, Wednesdays, 10 o'clock at St Peter's and 2 o'clock at St Paul's if you want to come in and pray privately. Otherwise, uh, I will be here next weekend as usual on the Sunday morning. And so may the peace of the Father be yours, the joy of the Saviour be yours, the presence of the Spirit be yours. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs>